The book of James 4, 6, 7. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. According to this place of scripture, God will give great, or as it is stated here, will give more grace only to those who obey Him. Those who obey Him and they resist the devil. In this way, humility is identified in submitting to God and in resisting the devil. At the same time, pride or arrogance is resisting God and obeying the devil. Looking at this, we can see that God resists certain people and gives His blessing to others, or His favor. His, as stated, more grace, which makes itself known in life with fullness. We need to not forget that every aspect of our life that is under curses was redeemed for us by God 20 generations ago in Jesus Christ. And so, for the given redemption to obtain for us legitimate power, it is necessary in every individual aspect where we see the presence of curses to do the two above-mentioned things or acts and in the way that they are presented. First, we need to submit to God and then resist the devil because it's not possible to resist the devil that is, resist specific curses if we have not yet submitted or obeyed God. For example, if we demonstrate greed when it comes to God, when it comes to uh, bringing of our tithes, then we are not obeying God and we are claiming for ourselves those things that are within our possession but don't belong to us as they are what is holy to the Lord. And when we are not obeying God in aspect of our finances and at the same time are trying to resist the devil, then nothing will work. If we will treat our finances in accordance to the Holy Scriptures, then the aspect of finances will come out of curses or the area of curses. While a person is dependent on money, then regardless of how much of it he has, he will continue to stay under curses in his finances. That doesn't mean he will be poor. It absolutely doesn't mean that. It means that he will worship mammon. But as soon as a person, by voluntarily and gladly giving his tithe to God, he comes out from under these curses, regardless again of how much of him of them he has, he is free from these curses in his finances. I will allow us to remember one very important thing, that what we depend on uh, clings to us and draws itself to us. Or what we have control over is what draw, is drawn to us and clings to us, but what uh, controls us is what we are drawn to, more specifically. And so the measure in which we will be free from dependence of money and take control over them is equal to how money will be drawn to us or magneted to us, just as metal is drawn to magnets.
And so such freedom begins with voluntarily and gladly giving of your tithes to God. The scriptures uh, explain how much to bring and the place where to bring it. And so the measure, the amount to bring is the same for all, the tenth of everything that you make or your income before the, the deduction of any taxes or any other things. And so doing this, we then honor God as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. The place where you are to bring, where everyone is to bring, is the church or the place where you receive your spiritual food. If you are in a church where uh, you don't give your, or don't receive your spiritual food, do not give your tithe in that place. Give it or bring it into that place where the Lord nourishes you with His words. Today, in this world, there are not a lot of Christian churches, congregations, where the living word would be spoken. Where the living word is spoken and only the living word is able to support a person, pull him out from the depths of disappointment. As it is written, he had delivered them from their graves. People are condemned to their graves. Even though they are smiling, laughing, are striving to get to achieve something, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, because a Christian person in Scripture is one who is obeying the preached word, not his own understandings or opinions or what may appear right to him, but what God speaks what God states through His messengers and the most important and the most dangerous is when we begin to inspect this messenger and if that's not enough, condemn him in something that he some is, according to our opinion, is not stating what is right or correct. And so our mind, when it becomes our God, uh, it no longer even appears this way. We actually begin to conclude or make these conclusions what is right and wrong. And again, these are things that may appear to us in our mind, but in Scripture, it doesn't show anywhere that a member needs to be an inspector in a church. The Holy Spirit is the inspector for the pastor. He is able to inspect his true words, his the accuracy of his words, the Holy Spirit can show him the strategy and tactic. And God, in this way, works in his nation. And so when we become free of these curses by giving our tithes and offerings to God and giving them correctly, our, the state of our heart is correct, when we're not seeking materialistic prosperity, when we're seeking the Lord's face, because if we find the Lord's face, then everything in the world, everything else in the world becomes dim. Nothing will be of value for us in this world anymore. It will be so important for us, this relationship and fellowship with God. And you will not care anymore what lot you have uh, when it comes to suffering. The righteous will not die from thirst and hunger. He may hunger, he may thirst, God may allow this for some time to test his faithfulness, but he will never die from hunger or from thirst. 
but people who trust in money, even having millions, billions of dollars can die from hunger and thirst because suddenly cancer takes a hold of their throat and they're not able to swallow or eat and they die from thirst and hunger. I knew many people, even wealthy people, who died from hunger and thirst, having upon their bank accounts many, a lot of money. And so the most important wealth is the word of God that abides forever, that we hear, that we accept into our heart. And when we have the opportunity and this opportunity is always given to us when we are in the service. We are not coming empty-handed. We're coming, we come to the Lord with joy and we have this privilege to offer our tithe to Him. And in this way, we testify before Him, Lord, I am your tithe. I'm your holy, holy portion. This is what is holy to the Lord. And so when the what is holy to the Lord is given by someone who is not a part of this tie themselves. This will not make him closer to God. This will not draw God's favor upon him. Cain brought his tithe, but God did not did not pay attention to him, but he did pay attention to Cain because he first looks at the state of the heart, the the motives we have. What are we seeking when we're bringing these tithes? What are we seeking when we're honoring God with our tithes and offerings? Are we seeking blessings? or the blesser? Are we seeking anointing or the anointer? Are we seeking gifts of the Holy Spirit or the giver of them? And the Holy Spirit is head of them. The gifts of the Holy Spirit has never been within the power of man or within his control. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not in their authority. You can't learn this anywhere how to practice spiritual gifts because the master of gifts is the Holy Spirit and he gives to whom he wants, when he wants, how much he wants. And so right now we will serve our Lord with our tithes and our offerings. We will worship him because our worship without tithes and offerings no longer is worship. We will stand up and in these offerings we will demonstrate our love to God, we will acknowledge His unquestionable authority over ourselves, and we will sing a song, after the sunset there is a glorious morning, when the Savior will receive me. In our heart, this, needs, this morning needs to already be there, and this resurrection, because we received the incorrupt promise for our body this is the erection of the stronghold of life within our body and the clothing of our body into the resurrection of Christ. And so when we've received this, then during any church service and every church service, we proclaim the resurrection of Christ. When we say, may the resurrection of Christ be enthroned in our bodies, may it rule within our body, the spirit and the bridegroom says, come, let us worship the Lord, enjoy and the joy and gladness of our heart.
I will gladly remind us that every time when Israel honored the Lord with their tithes and their offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, they were required as a command that Moses gave, one he received from the Lord, to stretch out their hands over their tithes and proclaim a great proclamation, which they were faithful to for thousands of years. We are that same Israel. We are connected to the same roots, we're nourished by the same olive tree, we will do the same thing. Please stretch out your hand over your tithes and pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated my tithe from my house and have brought it into your temple so that you may have food within your house. I do not give in impurity. I do not give in sorrow, and I do not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to demonstrate my love and to acknowledge your authority. And now in accordance to your words, I pray, right now, may your heavenly windows be open to us, and may your blessing come without end upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen.
God bless you. You may be seated.